I solemnly swear that I am up to no good. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot and Prongs are proud to present the Marauder's Map. If you succeed tonight, more than one innocent life may be spared. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, we're back again for another episode of Hogwarts, a pod, and we're doing chapter eight, Flight of the Fat Lady. Uh, Great title. Uh, So, um, Anna's back again. Hello, hello. Uh, We did not kill each other over the last chapter we tried. I might Uh, still kill him, guys. Anna particularly requested this chapter. I did. Mostly because of Lupin. I just love Lupin. I'm a big Lupin fangirl. Uh, you're not the only one. Lupin is quite popular, we find out. Yeah. Uh, his, um, despite his shabby appearance, which most people judged him on early, um, he's gaining respect of students very quickly. Well, I don't think it's hard for him to do. Uh, he's yeah, he's talented. doing it with a combination of like knowing his stuff, having a little bit of a quick wit that can mm-hmm. like match some of the students a little bit. And also having this kind of like, meh, like, whatever, man, kind of attitude that I think they kind of respect. I feel like they kind of think he's, like, pretty cool, even though he dresses all shabby. They weren't expecting him to be, like, cool and, like, shoving gum down Peeves' nose. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think they like his lessons, too. It's like, the lessons are, let's imagine an alternate universe where Lockhart was a competent teacher. <laughs> And the pixie lesson went much better <laughs> than it did. It's an alternate universe. I can't even imagine. But I know. Okay. It's hard to imagine. But in that alternate universe, like, that's what Lupin's lessons have kind of been. It's like he introduces red caps and kappas. Um, red caps being... They sound super creepy. They but, are. like, I want to learn about them. They're murderous, goblin-like creatures that lurk where blood has been shed. That's aggressive. Yeah, it is. And then kappas are essentially, like, water monkeys (laughs) so for lack of a better and it's a question i had with hagrid and how he got like however many hippogriffs he did Mm. and how does lupin get red caps how does he get kappas how does he get the grindelow that we see later he got them delivered delivery of it which is fascinating to me (laughs) they're like a magical creature zoo oh my god do you think newt runs out from his suitcase Oh, that'd be a great business plan. Yeah. If he could just, like, get academic. I can't academic. Really see. Well, yeah, academic. academic it would, yeah, plan. it would be purely, like, academic contracts with, like, Hogwarts. You'd have to, like, apply or, to you and he'd approve you yeah. as, like, an animal. You'd have mother. to be a school, I would assume, for this. Um, but, yeah, it's a delivery system. I'm not exactly sure how that works. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of an offhand detail that I kind of want to know more about. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, but those are the kind of lessons that Lupin has, uh, where I think we can all agree, Redcap's not exactly um, the most dangerous creature, but also not innocent. Like, if this thing works where blood is shed... I was going to say, I think that's a pretty big assumption that it couldn't be. Well, I mean, it's not like... I'm trying to think of other um, like beasts that we've seen in Fantastic Beasts that are like... Clearly, they are big and aggressive, and well, how can yeah. you exactly like manage one on your own kind of thing? Um, but still, it's, it 
it's an aggressive step up. And I think that's part of also the reason that students are like, oh, this thing's actually got like a bite to it, <laughs> for lack of a better phrasing. So I think they kind of respect that too. And again, the way he teaches, I think, melds, uh, kind of merges well with this of like, here's what it is. Here's things you should know about it. Here's right. how you would defeat it if you were to encounter it kind of thing. I think it's just a really well done kind of structure. We're going to get into a lot of Harry and Lupin's conversation in the spoilers, but yes. it uh, Harry ends up walking around as everyone else in his class is seemingly gone to Hogsmeade. Poor Harry. And he's just kind of wandering around, doesn't want to talk to Colin, <laughs> doesn't want to hang out with Colin's friends and be essentially idolized. Um, so he walks around the castle, gets yelled at by Filch, and ends up in Lupin's classroom. Uh, which is generally, that's, you know, that's a day at Hogwarts. I just love that scene so much. It's such a cute little scene between the two of them. Another good teacher moment. I feel like it's something Elizabeth would, Elizabeth would do if she saw one of her oh, students yeah. wandering. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure she's had a conversation or two, like, after class or before class. There are interesting things uh, to note of that conversation without getting into spoilers too much. We've seen Snape kind of glare and look at Lupin with some disdain. Lupin treats him very respectfully because uh, during this conversation, Snape actually walks in with a steaming mug <laughs> for Lupin, which also seems odd, which it is, but we'll get to that later. And Lupin treats him very respectfully. Thank you very much. And he says some very kind things about Snape to Harry when Harry's like, don't drink that. What are you doing? And then just spurts out like random. <laughs> like Lupin is a grown adult. Yes. Professional. Harry is of the mindset that Snape is poisoning Lupin. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think Elizabeth brought up that my name for Harry in the third book should be like first year stupid, second year oh, dumb. Yeah. She brought up third year thick, so I might go with third no, year thick. I, like I know that. it was very good, so I think I'm gonna go with it. But this is this is like an example of Harry being like third year thick of love. That that's just Harry being Harry. The other thing that Harry notes from this conversation with Lupin is that Lupin very freely, without hesitation, says the name Lord Voldemort. Yes. Uh, he takes note of that and is like, "Huh," and he did it twice. Well, I thought it was. I didn't really realize ever. I've forgotten they make a point of stating in the chapter that Harry realizes he's the first person other than Dumbledore and himself mm -hmm. to use his name freely. And I want to talk to you about that more in the spoilers section. There's a lot of this conversation that we'll get to in the spoilers. But yeah, before we get on, I'm not going to dwell on it because we had a whole episode about it. Last episode. We got into a fight again after the episode, you guys. We did. It was, it was heated again and we had to... Stop, and we had to put a fan on because we were both hot-headed. <laughs> it was a whole thing. It was aggressive. We're fine. We're good. Again, we're Anna's back. We're, we're all right. We're, we're, it's all good. But uh, So I'll briefly skip over this. But there was a rundown that Harry had of the professors really quick and of the students' perceptions of them. And Trelawney was mostly split. There are some supporters of Trelawney in the class. I think he refers to them as devotees. Yes. Uh, because Harry's not biased at all in any way, shapes, or forms in the narration that he gives us. Uh, no. But no, not at all. Uh, but yeah, there are some supporters of Trelawney and there are some not. And 
um, the, the thing that comes up is they stumble on Lavender, who's crying, and um, Parvati is uh, consoling her. And they find out that um, her baby rabbit has died, and it just so happens to be Friday the 16th of October, which is what... Just so happens. Just so happens. You used it yourself. It's a complete coincidence. Sorry. Which is the thing that Trelawney <laughs> predicted that on the 16th of October... That's not the thing! She said the thing you would be dreading. dreading. Yes. I'm with Hermione on this. You, Sorry, continue. Do you have a window to Lavender's soul? Yes. Yeah, so they have a whole discussion on Lavender and that prediction. And yes, her Hermione does not take it well and keeps questioning it and keeps poking, which does not make Lavender feel better about the whole situation. To which Ron says, don't worry, Lavender. <laughs> she hates other people's pets. Which makes Hermione very upset. It is a great Ron moment. Um, It's a good Ron jab at Hermione, which Hermione doesn't really have a great answer for, but then treats... Well, they got interrupted. They were glaring at each other when something happened. Well, Ron was upset with Hermione before this. And Hermione was trying to make it better. And then that Ron comment did not make that better. And then now they're just not speaking to each other for a little bit of time. It's just Ron and Hermione. Um, You know, Crookshanks did try to kill Scabbers again. Uh, which Ron was not happy. But later on in the chapter, we got another Peeves moment, which, and I had to quote him on this because it's a very Peeves uh-huh. thing. Oh, yes, Professor Head, <laughs> when referring to Dumbledore. And Dumbledore just takes it in stride, and it's great. How many people in the world do you think would be able to pull off with a straight face calling Dumbledore Professor Head? Uh, one, and his name is Peeves. <laughs> Agreed. Look, we agree. Everybody agrees. It's great. Uh, yeah, I just, I laughed out loud. I'm like, really? That's awesome. Um, and then we get a big bombshell at the end. So everybody's, uh, coming back to, um, the common room and there's a big hold up and Percy gets all upset. And he's like, oh, I'm, not- I'm head boy. Yes. Head boy, which of the hierarchy here. So he's there assessing the situation. He doesn't like order the prefects to go like do something. He's just like somebody randomly. Well, maybe he didn't have a prefect in sight. Maybe, but I don't know. I just thought there'd be the two prefects from Gryffindor to be somewhere in the vicinity, but anyway. Uh, but yeah, he maybe throws out that. Maybe out in the dungeon like him and Penelope. <laughs> maybe. So they're all crowding around the portrait, and the reason the portrait's not opening is because that lady's not there, and there are like huge gash marks in the portrait itself. And Peeves just drops this massive bombshell in a very Peeves way of, uh, yeah, very violent, very aggressive, that serious black. Cut. <laughs> like, Another great cliffhanger. Hard cut, which oh, yeah. I gotta admit, like, and, you know, I'm reading this in a different way, as we've mentioned, and I'm reading it more analytically, and it's taking me longer to read these chapters because I'm taking notes and I'm, you know, trying to do this for the podcast. So I haven't had as many of those reactions of, like, oh, I gotta flip another page because now it's work in, in a way, but... Um, I gotta say, he drops a serious black bombshell. I'm like, I kind of want to, kind of want to keep reading. So well done, JK, on that. Another great bombshell end of a chapter. So that's kind of the chapter in a nutshell. We have big spoilers to talk about. Oh, oh, wait! I do want to point out. Oh, did you re- did you realize and think about it and remember our conversation about like the room where it happens from Chamber of Secrets with like the big three professors? Yes. Oh, yes, you're right. To join. You're right. This this is 
a true formidable four. Ooh, I like that. Formidable four. (laughs) I like that. We're going with it. The formidable four (laughs) of Dumbledore, McGonagall, Snape, and Lupin. That's four people that I wouldn't want to mess with. I would very much go into battle. They would cover a lot of different uh, bases for you in a battle. Uh, That, I like that. Formidable four is solid. I'm very happy with myself. (laughs) But no, you're right. That's a great point to bring up. The the four of them coming, and I had that same thought of like them four showing up, and you're like, oh, we're good. Like, we got this covered. <laughs> like, whatever is happening right now, I feel safe in these four, like, people's abilities Definitely. to solve whatever needs to be done. But, yeah. Um, good catch. Good good call before we uh, head to spoilers. Uh, are we ready to head to spoilers? Oh, I think so. Cool. Uh, we'll end it here. Uh, please come back, because we have a lot of good stuff to talk about in the spoilers. We have um, Harry and Lupin's discussion. Um, I have a point about Snape and Lupin that confused Anna, which I hope to... That it confused me and upset me a little bit. Shocker. It's almost as if I never say anything. Again, you'll get her ridiculing me in this break sound. <laughs> and we'll go from there. Uh-huh. We'll be back with spoilers. You! You foul loads of them evil little cockroach! Alright, so we're back with the spoiler section of chapter eight, Flight of the Fat Lady. And um, we're just gonna go with more of Anna's hatred toward me here. So okay. I've I made the note. It's not really told specifically in this chapter. It's not said out loud. But it's just the vibe I'm getting from Snape. Is when he... And this gets into a little bit of our Lupin-Snape background. But um, when he was staring loathingly at Lupin, I think he's remembering a lot of their, obviously, their schoolhood. Yeah, obviously. Their, their childhood, where admittedly it was mostly James and Sirius torturing him. It wasn't as much Lupin, but still. I would make the argument that Snape tortured Lupin in their schoolhood more than Lupin sure. did anything to him. But I imagine Snape sees Lupin well, and is yeah. just transported back to those memories. Because Lupin also did a stand-up for him. Correct. Yeah. So there's history there, which you can kind of dive into a little bit. But I think in this chapter specifically... Snape being Snape, who has insecurities and things that go back to his childhood, which Lupin was a part of. And then he hears that Neville turned him into his grandmother in Lupin's first lesson with them. I think Snape, in his mind, goes to, oh, this is just another form of... James, Sirius, and Lupin, and whatever, just continuing on from those flashbacks to his memories. I'm not saying it's true, and I'm not saying it's valid. I'm saying in Snape's head, he could view it as such. Well, no, and I'm sure that is how he views it. And I think it even is, like, a little bit left over. Like, Remus earned his spot in the Marauders. Like, there is a little bit of a prankster... He's not a saint. In Remus Lupin. So I think the idea of putting anybody into a dress and vulture hat and big red bag, I think, would appeal to him and make him laugh. It's not just about him trying to bully Snape. I mean, it was kind of his suggestion. Well, right. But, like, (laughs) I think that's just Not that Snape necessarily even knows that fact. Himself. That's his little bit of personality. It's not just because it's Snape. It probably. But to Snape, that's a personal insult to him. But. What also I think Snape should have done a little self-reflecting on, he 
If he chooses to focus on that and Rima seeing it as Lupin continuing on bullying him in the like sure. footsteps of James and Sirius, sure. he hasn't grown up at all. I mean, I know that's always my point, but like, why isn't he instead focusing on the fact like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's an issue that one of my students' bogarts turned into me. Sure. I think you bring up an interesting point about the, the not growing up part of it because it's the analogy that I have for you that I think you might ask you about this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, people that we grew up with in grade school or high school who didn't treat us particularly well, then maybe said a disparaging comment, made fun of us, whatever, uh, whatever it may be. Um, you might still remember that they might not, you might still remember that because it did whatever damage made you feel embarrassed, made you angry, made you whatever, made you sad, whatever. You might still remember that years later, even though that person has long forgotten that moment. And when you see that person again, and you see that person again at a job setting or out in the real world, they might come up to you having long forgotten that moment and be like, oh, Dan, how are you doing? Like, what what's life like? What are you doing now? And being like cordial and adult and mature. And I don't think it's... Look, I'm just going to be honest. Even me, myself, there's still that moment of like, dude, like you did this thing that bothered me a long time ago. And now you're just coming up to me like, hey, bro, like, what up? It's you do have to take a conscious step back and be like, that was however long ago. I'm different. That person's different. We've both grown up, matured, gotten jobs, had kids, got married, whatever that's changed us. For the better, or for the worse, whatever, whatever the scenario is. But it does take a second to be like, because you have that memory that they don't have necessarily. Well, and you don't think Lupin has to go through that same thing? I mean, you made a point in sure, I'm just the spoiler kinda, section saying, yeah. like, he was very cordial and respectful to Snape. Snape, like, found out that he was a werewolf when they were kids. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows something really personal about Lupin. Lupin could have almost killed him because Snape was so obsessed with finding out, like, stuff about him. You don't think, like, I think that's something really big for Lupin to try and overcome. But Lupin is sitting there, he's drinking this potion that Snape is preparing for him. Which Snape has, I I get that Dumbledore has set this job on him, but Snape is doing it and he's doing it well. Right. And that's, you know... Kudos to him for doing that. Lupin, I respect that. Lupin points it out as like, this is not an easy potion to make. Right. Most potion makers would not even try or attempt to do this. So what he's doing is really a real I'm big favor to, to me. Right. Yeah. So there is an element to, to both what we're saying. There is. He, right. he does need to grow up and, and get past past issues. Well, well I think but I also, said it, back in like Sorcerer's Stone at some point that Snape could have done with some counseling. Yes, that would have helped. But as we've also established, counseling does not seem to exist in the wizarding world. That is for sure. So we can't agree on that very, very specifically. But I I think that's essentially it. Is like, in some ways he has grown up because he's doing this and he's doing it well. But it is hard for him to move on from some of that. And being in a school where he sees kids doing the same things constantly... Maybe it's hard for him to move on because he's in that setting constantly. I don't. I don't know. I. I, I don't know. 
I guess I'll just always have so much more sympathy for Lupin and like the fact that he was, you know, he wasn't always a werewolf. Well, his trek was harder for sure. Yeah. And so that, but like Lupin is able to rise above and the fact that Snape is just loving to embroil himself in that pettiness of, you know, high school age drama. Yeah, I think like you have a point. I'm not trying to dismiss your point at all. Because we've all got that person from, you know, when we were that age. I'm the first person to say Snape has flaws. Many of which we saw in the the previous chapter where he's just going after Neville in a malicious way. Mm -hmm. Um, No one's defending that. No one. In this particular circumstance with him and Lupin, there's some history there that, as you put it, he probably does need to actually, like, work through that yes. but that doesn't seem he doesn't seem interested on that and honestly those avenues don't seem to exist in this world that we know of so it's deeper than just the surface level i guess is what we're talking about but yes to both of us i don't know anyway <laughs> so lupin and harry oh. and i brought it up when uh they were on the hogwarts express in, in the dementor chapter of Lupin, whether he's feigning sleep and he's actually awake, or whether he's truly tired in the sleep, either way, he eventually becomes aware that he's sharing a compartment with Harry Potter. And he plays it so coolly that, I mean, he's got, there's so many layers to that. And so, so many. And he plays it like nothing. It's a testament to who he is, but you get a little bit of it here. And again, Lupin plays it very coolly. He's just sitting here with one of his best friend's children. Given how that friendship ended with the death of James and Lily, who Lupin was close with as well. And essentially, and Peter, and essentially Sirius. No, there's, there's a lot of depth to Lupin's emotions sitting across from Harry and having this conversation. And I love how he's playing it of just like sitting there calmly, listening to whatever Harry says, whether it's logical, emotional, or just absolutely crazy. He just sits there, raises his eyebrows occasionally and goes, Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting take. That's fascinating. Okay. And just having this conversation with a kid who means so much to you, presumably. Yeah. So, and it is hard to, and he has, like, I mean, he does have some takes. Like, it's a very serious conversation, like, bringing up Voldemort and the Dementors. And, I mean, can you imagine how much of James he must see in him, even in just this small conversation over tea? Well, the looks alone would be, and, cool. and it's not, and again, this is not just, like, people seeing Harry and being like, oh, you generally resemble your dad. This is someone who knew knew James at the same age and spent significant time with James at the same age. So he's, you know, we talk about Sirius seeing James and Harry. You can't say that Lupin doesn't either. I mean, it's got to be there. Of course not. You know, they react to it differently. Lupin clearly does a better job, in my opinion, of separating the two. Like, I think... Well, I think it goes back to my point of when I was saying why I think Lupin is the best teacher in the series is that he really listens to what 
people say to him. Mm. So I think this, the yeah, reason I true. love this conversation yeah. so much is to me, this conversation, okay, great. He proved himself and like saved Harry on the train and like saw Harry for the first time and saw his best friend, I'm sure on the train. But this is where I think starts their relationship, you know, moving on. Harry respecting his magical abilities, moving beyond a good teacher. This is where they start building the blocks for like their friendship and the fact that Harry eventually becomes godfather to his child. Like, um, I want to pose a question to you that I posed to Elizabeth of Lupin's hiring. When do you think Lupin was hired? Do you think it was pre or post Black escaping from Azkaban? Interesting. Do you think Dumbledore hears of Sirius Black's escape and goes, maybe our defense against the dark arts teacher, maybe behoove us to have <laughs> like someone who knows the situation a little bit more intimately than some random. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I do know what you're saying. I've always more thought of it as a situation where like, I kind of always viewed it as Lupin had gotten to the point where he was so desperate for a job. He might have reached out to Dumbledore. And vice versa. Dumbledore desperate to fill it. Right. And he know Dumbledore assumes it's at this an point. Intriguing thought. It's very Dumbledore to to hire on Lupin once Sirius Black escapes. I do like that idea. For if you're Dumbledore. And that would make sense too for why he rode the train in. It'd be a late hiring. I like it. It's Dumbledore in a couple of different ways. It's Dumbledore in that he solves multiple problems at once. <laughs> he, mm -hmm. he solves his defense against the Dark Arch teacher. He potentially has a very intriguing go-between between Harry and Sirius, should it come to that, if it comes to that, or someone to kind of help explain or mitigate the relationship there, like counseling him on like, hey, is there a... He, was, he kept saying he's at Hogwarts... You know what that might be like. Well, I think he ended up being very disappointed if he was looking for those types of tidbits from Lupin, because obviously Lupin didn't say a word about most of the insider knowledge he had about Sirius Black until it was too late. Sure. Also, Dumbledore carries with him a, a different weight in those conversations, so you don't know. I, those conversations didn't officially, quote unquote, happen, so we don't know. But I'm just playing around. I like it. And like it. and obviously, it solves another problem of Lupin is also competent. He's smart. He knows the school. He knows what it takes to be successful at Hogwarts. So he fills in a competent, like, hey, the kids are actually getting a good teacher. Like, win, 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 all the way around, whichever way you slice it. So it's like, you know, it's just, it just occurred to me, like, Sirius Black escapes from prison, and then all of a sudden one of his childhood buddies <laughs> so happens to get a job at I wonder if Dumbledore had some ulterior motives here. This, I feel like, is a good segue for me, too, to ask you another what-if question. I, I love what-if questions. Hit me. So, at one point in the conversation, Harry has the thought to himself about bringing up to Lupin the fact that he saw the giant black dog on Magnolia Crescent. Mm -hmm. What if Ooh. Harry had actually told him in that moment about that dog like you proposed that like maybe Dumbledore hired Lupin on after Sirius Black escaped like what do we think would have happened if um, Lupin's gonna view that black dog obviously in the way Harry would not view it well there's two 
in my mind, there's two different routes to take, and one of those routes then splits. <laughs> so uh, the one route is Lupin immediately recognizes that Sarah's Black has a connection to the Potters. He has a connection potentially to Harry being the godfather. Potentially. He is the godfather of Harry. Uh, so there's that connection. He's been saying he's at Hogwarts. Like, maybe Lupin's putting dots together. So maybe he's like, that was it. Black was seri- was definitely that dog in the, the alleyway. The other route is Lupin can dismiss it as like, well, that could have been just any dog. Mm-hmm. I don't see Lupin doing that. He could have just dismissed it. As, well, again, it goes back to like Lupin being dismissive of some of other of Harry's ideas. In this setting... I think you played just as he did of just like, so even if Lupin did recognize it, even if he did, there's the branch of doing exactly what I just said, him going to like Dumbledore and be like, oh my gosh, did you know this? Or there's the branch of Lupin just sitting there going, okay, that's really interesting. That's an interesting thought there, Harry. And just playing it, like recognizing it, but just playing it so cool. Like he's been doing this entire time of just like, interesting. Okay. I'm not even more thinking of like the what if, how he reacts to Harry telling him. I'm thinking like in my mind, he hears that from Harry. He knows he's the only, in his mind, he's the only living person who knows that Sirius Black is an animagus. Can, can I just ask you a question that's kind of been bothering me? Sure. And, and you might have an answer that like a light bulb clicks off in my head that makes it settle better with me. Okay. You have all these people that have known Sirius Black in different forms or fashions very closely or just tangentially or just kind of in passing, right? You assume Molly knows of Sirius, Molly Weasley. Mm-hmm. Maybe, again, not maybe intimately, but knows she of him. knows of him, but she yeah. doesn't know him personally. That's yet. fine. That's fine. You have Lupin, who knows him intimately. Mm-hmm. You have Dumbledore, who knows of Sirius on a pretty solid level. You have... McGonagall, other people that have taught him. You, you get people that know Sirius Black and generally what he's about. No one raises a question as to, oh yeah, Sirius Black blew up a street with like 13 people. That makes sense. <laughs> like no one? It, it bothers me a little bit. Like you said, those people know Sirius Black. I mean, Lupin knew him intimately. Dumbledore knew him pretty darn well. McGonagall knew him pretty darn well. And what is the overriding story? There's a difference between a prankster. James Potter was his best friend. I'm sorry. I'm going to go there. James Potter. Hold on. Hold on. Was the Steve Rogers. That's that's a. (laughs) Blacks. Bucky Barnes. All right. Do I, do I make a separate note for Captain America? <laughs> this would be my second mention of Steve Rogers throughout the podcast. It's fine. Um, no, like, I'm just saying, like, I think they know Sirius Black finds out that he's one of their, you know, other best friends, intimately betrayed and led to the death of the most important person in his life. Sirius Black's going to go after that person. So... No, so there's... Well, I guess no. Okay, my reasoning is knowing the truth. So you're saying everybody... I, I see, I don't think... Everybody accepts Sirius Black is Everybody thinks a that mass he just murder. went up and blew the, street, blew the street up and betrayed his best friend. Yeah. None of them know that Sirius was 
anti his family, anti Slytherin. He fought for the order that doesn't that seem like a weird Somebody was feeding information from within the order. I mean, think about it. this is like this is like Cold War. This is like World War II secret keeping, like the order is being picked off one by one. Sure. Almost everybody you know is dead. You know there's somebody inside. It could be anybody. So I think the level of trust, no matter how well you know a person, I think at that point, I mean, think about it. Sirius thought that Remus was the spy. It just, That's why Sirius didn't tell Remus that it was Peter who's the secret keeper. It just, I don't know. It nothing sits well. I, I get what you're saying because that's true. And if anything to me, the, the suspicions were at high levels. Same thing. All those people knew Peter Pettigrew. I will give you this because it's a very valid point that you brought up. Of the atmosphere at that time was suspicion heavy. No one can trust anyone. We see bits of that later, you know, Battle of Hogwarts-esque era. Even coming back from the Seven Fires. Yeah. So, I mean, we... That is true, and I can give you that. I just feel like... I think you're missing the point. Like, Dumbledore actually heard from James Potter's lips that Sirius Black was going to be a secret keeper. As far as anyone was concerned, literally the only person who could have betrayed the Potters was Sirius Black. As far as anybody knew, he was the only person who knew their location. Yeah. I mean, how do you beat that logic that he had to have been the one who turned? I guess my question, if I were those characters, would be, did Sirius turn? Or was he imperialist? Or was he... Because so many other people around that era that did do bad things of their own volition got off by saying... I was imperious, or I was well, I jinxed. Think when a man was... is found laughing in the middle of a blown apart street, Sirius didn't do himself any favors. I'll give you that. I don't. And I, he was never going to have a trial. Maybe if he was going to have a trial where he could have put out all this information, maybe people who knew him would have believed him, would have better come to his defense. But he was never given a chance to tell his side of it. Yeah. Thanks, Barty Crouch. I don't know. It's just kind of not settled well with me. I don't know. Anyway, we can change subjects because there is one big thing that I did want to talk about and that's Lupin being able to so casually say the name Lord Voldemort. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think he's already proven himself. He is a very strong wizard. He's very capable. He's a Gryffindor, so he's very brave. Um, he does I know have that we line don't about know of the Order of the Phoenix at this point yet, but you know we're in the spoiler section. We know he was a member of the First Order of the Phoenix. He does have that line about Harry being wise for only fearing fear, fear, which I guess that's maybe part of it. Like I think he just gives off an aura. He wasn't scared of the Dementor. He immediately, you know, raised to that occasion. He's able to produce a very strong Patronus. Like, he just gives off this aura of calm strength. So to me, that it's very similar to Dumbledore, in my opinion. Like, you know, he doesn't get, I mean, yes, eventually he gets frazzled. But so far, he just always remains very even-keeled. He takes what is presented to him. 
you know, eventually he just is the first one to jump into the fight. He is welcomed into the formidable four, you know. I love that name. Um, so why would he be scared? Like, he just gives off, you know, he says, like you just said, the line of, you're very wise, only thing to fear is fear itself. So maybe he doesn't want to instill more fear by calling him he who must not be named. So he's, a, he's not going to call him the Dark Lord. Snape. Which is the, like the opposite of it. Uh, I, well, I guess not completely because you could be calling him Tom Riddle. But like Tumbledore pulls that trump card. But that's, I mean, like, I don't think it would make sense for him to call him Tom Riddle. No, <laughs> no, it, it probably would Tom Riddle. Yeah, you're right. But no, I, I, I get the whole idea... Uh, doesn't Dumbledore say in like Sorcerer's Stone that fear of the name increases fear of the thing itself? So, I mean, Lupin can just be a hardcore subscriber to that. I don't think, like most people that cringe, I mean, Lupin lost friends. Lupin lost a lot during that war and after the war. And, And I don't think as capable as he is as a wizard, he's not... Dumbledore that can go toe-to-toe with Voldy full strength. For all we know, he was there when Lily and James was going toe-to-toe with him. Mm. I mean, let's think about the people we know who not, call not Voldemort by name. Alright, it's Dumbledore, Sirius, Lupin, Moody. Moody's just a... I mean, they're <laughs> four of the only surviving members if Snape wasn't you know actually obsessed with dark arts if he was you know an original member of the Order of the Phoenix I think he would call Voldemort Voldemort I feel like he has a whole different fear of Voldy being so close to him for so long of life. well that's what I'm saying like if that yeah. portion of Snape never happened sure. Snape yeah, yeah, was yeah. just like yeah. a member of the Order of right. the Phoenix to begin with mm-hmm. I don't think he's calling him he must not be named he's probably Voldemort yeah. I think it just takes a certain type of person. Like you've seen the worst of it, so... I've been in the thick of the war. I've, you know... I've lost so much already. Right. <laughs> What's, what is this, really? It's fair. It's fair. It, it, it's just something the that... The only weak link in that argument would be McGonagall. And why she doesn't call him Voldemort. She fears him quite a bit, so... Because she was in the Order of the Phoenix. Does Aberforth call him Voldemort? See, I, I, um, that I'm not sure. I think he does call him Lord Voldemort. I want to say he does. He strikes me very similar to Moody of just like not giving a care one way or the other and just being like, I'm going to call you whatever I want to call you and you're going to deal with it. Just very similar personality. Especially after everything he went through. Wouldn't you love to just see like Moody and Aberforth just getting a drink with the hogshead? Just like being the old grumpy Muppets, (laughs) like just sitting there and complaining about everything. Definitely makes me happy. Oh, it'd be good. Uh, And on that note, on old grumpy Muppets, (laughs) we will call it an episode. We were more agreeable on this episode than we were on the previous one. So if you enjoy those, I'm sorry. If if you... (laughs) If you're cool with us actually agreeing, then yay. Uh, Hope you enjoyed listening to this one. Let us know your thoughts. Comment on Twitter and Instagram. We're always ready with a, a quick reply. We hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. 
If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwarts Apod.